today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, he's not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here sitting with David Niles, Juan on the buttons, Jim right by the door, being the bodyguard. No one can come in. Actually, I got to give props to Jim because we, we, we uh, gave a challenge out last week. For the man gear, it was a it was a man challenge. Man challenge. And Jim came in and was like, "Hey, how'd your challenge go?" Which I intentionally, uh, which you challenged. I it did was your challenge. It was my challenge, so I needed to follow up. I I had I did one. I failed. I invited him. Did not come. Uh, he said he wasn't going to come. It's okay. I kind of figured he wouldn't, but I was going to at least give it a shot. Mm-hmm. But Jim over here, Mister Overachiever, he invited eight people to Holy Mass. And four of them came. Four of them came. You know he's, why? It's because they were too scared to say no. He's the bodyguard. He's the bodyguard. He's right. Okay, Jim. Yes, sure, sh- sure, Mr. Spencer. I'll be, I'll be there. Right. Please don't smash me. Don't Hulk smash me, Jim. So, I mean, hey, that was... Way to go, Jim. Good job, bud. Did you did you do anything or did you just... Uh, brought my wife's cousin to Mass. Oh, yeah. Nice. But I can't really take props for that. He was already coming and... But I did do it. Nice. See, I failed. You even took him to Clear Creek this week. We took him to Weekend. Clear Creek. Yep, yep. That was his idea. <laughs> so I was trying to give you even more credit. Yep. Mm. Yep. Didn't uh, work. I was just like one of those things where I was really just dominating the challenge without even knowing or trying. <laughs> <laughs> That's how efficient I was at, at the uh, evangelization challenge that we had last week. For the man challenge yeah, last week. Nice, dude. Have we done man challenges before? I don't know if we ever not. We've done enough episodes now where I I can't recall, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I feel you. So we're not having a whiskey this evening. We're going to have a beer. I like beer. Which, I like beer. Which beer works. I like beer mucho. Uh, we're having a beer brought to you by uh, our patron members, Joe Foiler and Grant Hagedon. Hagedon? Is that right? I don't know, man. Dr. Hagedon? Yes. Uh, they brought us beer. From Indiana, Joe went up to, to visit. Uh, it's at St. Benedict's Brew Works. There you go. And we're drink we're drinking Dark Souls, 
And it says 9.1. I'm assuming that's the ABV. Yeah, ABV, yep. For, they're out of Ferdinand, Indiana. So what happened is that there's a, a Benedictine, uh, they're sisters of the Benedict, uh, Benedictine Monastery. Sisters of the Benedict? Benedict, yeah, I think, or gosh, I can't remember what it is. Anyway, okay. um, uh, Benedictine sisters. I don't know what, the, I forget what they're are called. Are nuns brewing this beer? No, so what, but what they're doing is they're only about six miles away from this brewery. And they get to go and taste test and do some quality control. Gotcha. So uh, on their growlers, it says, pray, work, brew. So I like it. I like it. Aura at labora at brew. Is that what it says? No. I, that I that just... would be funny. <laughs> um, Aura so, at labora at brew. Yeah. Uh, and I know that Joe is is uh, sitting. Oh, yeah. You can pour a little bit for, for one here. Uh, he's sitting out listening to us. He's uh, just finished his... Knights of Columbus, he's with Vinny and a couple other guys, I think. They're watching us, so shout out to them. Yeah. Oh, Hector Molina is here. Hook Jim. Hook Jim up with some of this. Yeah, here you go, Jimbo. I got a chance to... Hey, if you guys don't know, Hector does a uh, uh, a live stream on Sundays to go over the Gospels, uh, the readings. He does a phenomenal job. He's like... He's he's one of the best. Yeah. So make sure you follow him, like his stuff, because he's great. So anyway, we're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers, Cheers. to Jesus. Cheers. Thank you, Joe, and mm. to Grant. Thank you for for getting us this beer. That it, is it, delicious. It's a quad ale. I don't know yeah. if I said that. That is my. That's that's my. Uh, Your speed. Yeah, that is my speed. That's the street that I live on. Yeah, I like I like it too. It tastes. I could drink this beer every day. Yes, it's Rain, a, it's a, it tastes rain or shine, I hot like, or cold. The, the quad ales are always a, a win for yeah. me. I mean, I've said it before. I remember when I find found like the triple. Like, yeah. Ooh, a Belgian triple. Yeah. And I was like, I'm a triple guy. And then the next, uh, in fact, I, here's the story. I, my my parents got me like a beer sampling. Uh, it was beer that was all brewed by monks from like around the world. Uh huh. And so one of them was this is years ago. One of them a triple, and I was like, that is what I'm talking about. New favorite beer. I'm triples all the way. Don't even try to tell me about other stuff because I'm a triple man. Right. And then the next one I pulled out was a quad. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know what triples are. <laughs> don't even care about triples who, anymore. Who, who, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> triples. Quads till I die. Nice. Yeah. And I still am, really. Well, last year we had it from Broken Arrow Brewing. We had a, a quad ale mm-hmm. uh, and at, at the camp out. Yeah. And it was delicious. It was, one, it was the first one to go. Speaking of the camp out. Speaking of, we have only nine spots left. Maybe eight. Maybe eight at this point, um, and it's only been open for a week. So if you're if you're wanting to come, make sure you sign up. Uh, once the spots are done, they're With done. With speed, make haste. Yes, make haste. Go to catholicmancho.com. You can you can sign up there. Look for the camp out link. Yeah. So anyway, and put your name down. Please also, um, if you're gonna sign up, please like don't just like throw a spot down. Like maybe I want to mm. come because. Uh, yeah, we, that's, that's we, true. we do have limited spots available and you know like we want people who are committed to coming to also like we got to pay for the food you know so right. it's really hard to plan and organize when we think there's 60 people and then it turns out there's only 40 people right yeah so if you're gonna sign up please intend to come yeah great great Good. so um oh, sorry you said this is not not nuns brewing this beer no that would be awesome though that would be awesome I don't know of any nuns that uh brew beer do you not are you, off the top are, you of my head. are you privy to any like not. if there was a nunnery that wanted to do that 
I'm pretty sure they could like promote themselves as the only nuns brewing I bet beer. They'd be good at it too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not these days. It doesn't seem hard to make good A lot beer. Of are doing I mean, it. it's just like Google it mm-hmm. and make the beer. Yeah. You'd have to like do it right and stuff, but that would be awesome. Someone should do that. Someone listening should should pull the trigger on that. Yeah. What are, what books are you reading right now? Well, I just picked up uh, a book, um, uh, a Peepster book, actually. No on, kidding. On the this uh, is not planned. I had no idea you did this. No. It, well, I got it at the the monastery. You know, they, their gatehouse is like the best. Right. It they is have the best book selection. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. Um, uh, it's like on the oh something of language. Um, oh, the abusive language. Yeah, the abusive language. His essay on the abusive language. Yeah, it's very I, short. It, I just finished it a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading that. You're going to be reading it and be like, this is happening today. This is happening today. This is happening today. Every page is like... I don't doubt it. I'm also just starting a book. Pamela and I... Pamela is like kind of feeding, finishing it right now and I'm starting. It's called He Leadeth Me. It's about a, uh, a Jesuit priest back in World War yeah. II, I believe. Who, I know this one. Who like was in the gulag camps over in Russia mm-hmm. for years and years and years and then came back. So I'm just starting that. I can't tell you much about it because... You just started it? I've read chapter one. Oh, okay. Nice. But pa- Pamela has been reading it just going like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. So it seems pretty good. Nice. Yeah. What about you? Well, I'm reading a, a, a Peepster book as well, Joseph Peeper's, uh, he's the the love and contemplation uh, right now is, is what I'm le- uh, reading. And I also have his anthropology, and anthropology. Apology. Yeah, uh, his like a bunch of his essays and stuff that I've kind of been cherry picking out, reading a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there, mm-hmm. and so I've been reading that. And then I just started a new audio book. Um, I just started it this weekend. It's the it's a Bill O'Reilly book. You know, he does all those killing series. You know, yeah. killing Jesus, killing Kennedy, yeah. killing. Yeah. Uh, so I started another one of those um, this weekend, which so, I really, really like. One book, the audio book I just finished was um oh the uh, narnia it's the it's the first one um not chronologically but it's like the first one in the series not the first one he wrote okay yeah yeah the magician's nephew thank you one and it was incredible i loved it i mean all the narnia books are good you know but uh i had i had read it as a kid my parents read it to me you know when mm-hmm. i was a kid don't i didn't remember it anything about it yeah but man it was amazing i cannot recommend that book enough just because you you get to see the creation of narnia and so you get to really see some of like the foundations of the allegory that lewis is trying to paint and it's so beautiful the way he can take this like the profound truths of god and translate it into this analogy you know Mm -hmm. into this allegory um, like one of the things that I liked the most was when, you know, he takes all the animals are created and he takes some of them and gives them the ability to speak, gives them intelligence and rash, a rational soul. And what he says is Narnians, I give you yourselves. Like that's what Aslan says to them. It was just like a very cool line. Very cool thing to say. Anthology, not anthropology. I think he said anthropology. Anthology. Yeah. Anthology is different from anthropology. Yes. It's a totally Sorry, different store. I'm pretty tired this evening. Apologize. Yeah. So when we get back, oh, man gear? Yes. We'll be right back.
So, Adam, you've never been to Rome. I know. I keep telling you, you have to drop what you're doing and go. Dude, it's on my bucket it's list. It's on the bucket list. I know, man. Look, you've got St. Peter's Basilica. You've got Assisi, which is just a day trip away. I mean, the whole faith is just right there. Around every single corner in Rome is another church that will just blow your mind. I know. So if you're like me, you want to go to Rome, but you don't know where to begin, check out our show notes. There's a banner that says Select International Tours. Click that banner. They know how to turn your bucket list into reality. They've been doing this for over 30 years, so they know what they're doing. Check it out. That's Select International Tours. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're drinking some really, 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 really good beer. It's a Belgian quad. Anytime, the, anytime those words appear in the in the description of a beer, you know it's going to be good. Especially if they appear together. If the words barrel aged appears before or after them, it is the trifecta. <laughs> That is yes. the that is the beer I hope to be drinking when I die. That is a good. Like one, if yeah. I could if I could be drinking that the moment I, of my death would be a, a would be like a very blessed consolation. Pray for happy death. Yeah, Saint Joseph, pray for us. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. So, um, Adam, I just want to reiterate that if at any point during this episode, if I fall asleep. I want you to just so poke, we're, bo- we're both in this just poke me. Okay. And I will promise to do the same for you. Okay. Good. I feel like my eyes are bleeding. <laughs> Combination of chlorine from the swimming pool and just like a lack of sleep over the last several days. Yeah. The thing about it is, you know, as we do you, we do a podcast every week. You know, we do a ra- this is the radio show, so like yeah. we're required to do a, a show every week for the radio. And the thing about it is sometimes you're not necessarily in the mood to be doing one. Yeah, yeah. And but you, you still like, get you still you still you get to do come one. Out, you show up and you pretend to be happy, <laughs> and you do a show, and you're like, I cannot wait to get out of here. <laughs> like I know we're all friends, but I just don't like you guys today. <laughs> it's but, not you. It's it, me. It's definitely okay. me. Yeah. But all the same, please make it stop. But we'll, we'll be okay. We'll get, no, no, no. We'll but I don't feel that way today. Today I oh, just good. I feel really tired, and my eyes hurt. That's okay. how I feel today. The man gear today is going to bleed into the topic. It's a bleeding man gear. Okay. Um, sort of like my eyes. Okay. Um, so the man gear is the house, just your house, and I just want to talk about something we've kind of talked about before, just about the state that it's in, and what should you know like. What is the attitude one should adopt, the man should adopt, in pursuit of the outward appearance of his home? I like this topic because I am... Everything from the yard mm-hmm. to how is it how well decorated, you know, like... Taking pride in what you own. Right, exactly. That kind of thing. So what are your thoughts? Well, I, I grew up... My, my father... Uh, always had his ha- always had the yard in pristine condition. Uh, we always had a, a nice flower beds, very straight edged yard. Yeah, uh, bagged so there was no clumps of grass. That's just how we grew up. Mm-hmm. My dad always took pride in in that that the landscape, the outside of the home. 
you know the curb appeal if you will he yeah. always made sure that the curb appeal looked nice not yeah. only for not only for our family but also for the neighbors out of respect for the neighbors right and so because when you all do that it makes your house it makes your houses look more nice. valuable yeah people want to pay more for your houses when you sell them right and so i've i've adopted that as well uh, that is that is something that there I isn't there is an element of courtesy there like keeping your yard mode for because yeah. if you let your yard get like a foot tall then it just it makes it has the appeal of making the neighborhood look trashy. Well, and so has the appeal, has the effect. The effect. Did I say appeal? I'm not sure. Whatever I said, I meant effect. Um, and, and, and you know, we're as Catholics, you're supposed to stand out from from society. You know, we're obviously carrying each other. You know, we're, we're carrying ourselves differently than a lot of other people. Right. And you're going to be intentional. And so, I think that, that carries over into the things that you own and the things that mm-hmm. God has given you, the the blessings right. that God has given you. But even if everybody else is doing it, you should. This is still the right thing to do. Sure, I yeah. know, I agree. So one thing that I dealt with as a single man, I bought the house that I live in now as a bachelor. Mm-hmm. I remember. Yeah, um, I was very proud of myself for buying it like a house that I was to too me, to me live in. It was, it was so funny. I used to have all the upstairs rooms vacuumed. And you know how like when you go forward with the vacuum, the carpet is kind of like come, one color and, and you come back, back and it's, and it's like darker. that nice rich color. Mm-hmm. So I basically like had gone into the what is now the playroom and painted the whole floor. There's nothing in there. It's right. just a big room with carpet. And I'd painted the whole floor. So it was like all of it was just nothing but that rich, dark color. Mm-hmm. And every now and then I'd open the door and just look at it. Like, mm, it that still looks, looks good. good. Looking good. It's all dusty, but don't touch it. Yeah. All right. Um Anyway, things are different now. <laughs> With uh, four kids. Yeah. <laughs> the playroom is a little bit different right. now. Uh, it's very played in. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I was dealing with this thing like, oh, I've, I've got a nice house. Like, much nicer than I think I deserve. Um, and I was, you know, updating stuff or, you know, putting my own stuff in it. Mm-hmm. And was kind of running into this what was a problem for me at first of do i really want to put nice things in my house like oh do i like is that selfish of me to like pursue having a nice house you know uh is that does that a lack of modesty and so i was really meditating on that and uh, like at one point i realized like well this isn't even really my house it's really god's house he gave it to me he has given me everything that i own every all my talents abilities possessions Mm -hmm my family, and I am, I am really the steward mm-hmm. of all of these things. And so if it's his house, then yeah, I want to make it as nice as possible because it's God's house, and I'm taking care of it, okay? And so like that, when I like kind of adopted that attitude, it totally changed. A, I didn't have any scruples over like presenting the things that I owned well. Right. Uh, because I wanted to present them to him well, since he's the one who gave them to me. Sort mm-hmm. of like the talents, you know, the mm-hmm. master leaves and gives the talents mm-hmm. and like, well, oh, I buried it. And it's, you know, you know, I know I want to make, take the things he's given me and do the best I can with them. Not for my own glory, mm-hmm. but for his. Well, and I also think I go back to like, okay, so what does the Holy Family look like? And so I just have the envision that St. Joseph made sure that the house was up, was looked nice he was he was a man of work he's man of diligence he's a man of uh you know just he, he made sure that yeah. he, was fo- he was focused on what he was, his his job was supposed to be and right. so I, I just feel like saint joseph would have his house in order and obviously the blessed virgin mary would mm-hmm. as well 
Right. So let me ask you this: no squeaky doors in his house. No, no, no. Let me ask you this: I was reading. I was reading a. Uh, it was a book by a priest. I can't even remember his name, but he he talked about how the home. El priest. El yes, uh, is supposed to be a school of reverence. Mm, yeah. Okay, and so he was talking about how, as as a father, we're supposed to have the the school of reverence is at threefold: the reverence of God, the mm-hmm. reverence of parents, mm-hmm. and then uh, the reverence of God, reverence of parents, and then reverence of woman. Okay, those were the three schools that he you know that there's three three levels of of reverence within the home. Yeah, I dig it. Uh, and he he brought it back to the holy family as well, like uh, within the holy family. The domestic church, the you know the domestic church that we could all model ourselves after, they they had the reverence of God, obviously, and then Jesus obviously had the reverence of his parents, yeah, and the you know the, the respect yeah. of authority of his parents. And Jesus then, might be a bad example to use here because, like, yeah, like oh, obviously he was God right. and was perfect in all things, all right. But and then and then the reverence of woman, though, I think is was a is a very interesting thing. Right, yeah, I was like thinking, oh, reverence of each other maybe is going to be the third one. Yeah. But reverence of woman. I do think women are should be reverenced. Yes. Uh, I, I think there's probably more than three reverences, or schools sure, of reverence. Sure, but, but I mean, that that's what he... But those are definitely th- a big three. A big, yeah, and those, those are what he was bringing to... Uh, to the forefront right. uh, uh, of this topic of being making sure that the house was a reverence, uh, a school of reverence in the home, and it it, uh, it brought it made me think also of uh, Venerable Fulton Sheen's quote that says if if society has neglected authority, it's only because they neglected authority in the home first. Yeah, and so it made me think. Yeah, I mean, look at today. There's no there's no respect for authority today in society. Mm-hmm. But that had to be a break, breakdown within the domestic totally. church. Right. Yeah, well, it's absent fathers created that. You know, like we, a there it's not a, it's, it's not that oh people aren't being learned they're not learning to re, you know respect the father the father's just not there. So I mean, of course they're not learning to respect the father because he's gone. You know, right? And they don't have the example of respecting the woman mm-hmm. because the dad isn't there. Right. You know that's that's a big key, right? It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Because who's going to enforce it? Then the man's not going to know how to even respect a yeah, woman yeah. Well, if he doesn't have an example. The authority has been, like, the head authority is gone from the household, right? But just with your stuff, with your house, you know. Sorry, I, I took okay. us off. No, was a, that was a good tangent. Of all the tangents, that was a good one. It was a decent one, Adam. Of all the tangents we've ever had, that was definitely one, <laughs> one of them. them. It was good. definitely one of them. Yes, most definitely. Um, so like, I just want. To say this about your house, they, your house is a, think about what if it was gone? How much would you miss it? A lot. Okay? Uh, and not that like, oh, don't if you don't take care of it, God's going to take it away from you. That's not what I'm saying. But he did give you this big, big gift. That is a true gift. And there are just millions and millions and mil- hundreds of millions of people in this world who do not have one. Especially the ones that we have here in America. It's, it is absolutely a privilege to have one. And... We should take care of them out of honor and respect for him. We should take care of these gifts that we've been given. Do you think it, it boils down to like also the virtue of decorum? Does decorum... It is It is the virtue of decorum. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It, it is that. Um, but it's just the attitude behind it. I think that's the right attitude. Because when you have this house that's very nice and well put together, and things are honored in the right proportions... You know, like, you've got the statue of Mary. If you have a really beautiful house, the statue of Mary stands out more. You know oh, what yeah. I'm saying? Your home altar stands it, out more. Exactly. I mean, everything about 
just a well-ordered home, which we're, which we're going to talk about, puts things in the right perspective, and ultimately God receives receives more glory from having a well-ordered, well-maintained household. Well, not only does God receive more glory, but your your family will thrive more when there's order within the family. Which is a good, but not as good as... The, absolutely. The highest good is glorifying it, it, God, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So, anyway, let's. We're gonna I, talk. I'm more not about trying this. to triple stamp a double stamp. You, I thought you were. I know, but, but I, I guess I, you're not. No. Okay. Good. I'll let it slide. <laughs> this is you. This okay. is you. Okay. You're bringing us in. All right. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Did I do it? Did I bring us back? Is that good enough? Yeah, you know, I think you can just... It's our show, so you just do what you want. Do, you get to do it like, There are no rules. Cool. Hey, get, can I give a... Can I give an announcement? No, actually, that is against the rules. I'm going to give it an announcement. I will change the rules, though, just for you. Thank you. We're going to have uh, Carlo Broussard on the Catholic Man Show. The Cajun Uncaging the Truth. The Cajun Uncaging the Truth. Next month. We, we got it solidified. We got it locked in. So... Carlo Broussard will be on the Catholic Man Show yet again. He's done like every time he's been on the show. I've just I've been like, can we just do just three more shows? Mind. He blows he's, my mind. He's dude. He's awesome. He's so he's under. A, he's got a very beautiful head. Well, and he's you know so like, he's so underrated. But he, when you see his head the, in the person, the dude is incredibly smart. I know, but would you let me talk about his head? Okay, go ahead. Like he's got a nice round head. And he takes good care of it. And it's just like, you know what? Of all the heads I've seen, that's one of the better ones. That is one of them. That's a that's a nice head. Okay. Well, well anyway, anyway. Keep going. We're going to have a chance to talk with Carlo Broussard next month. Super excited. I am also very excited about this. Um, and he's going to be in, in person. Right. He is underrated big time. Big time. He's so, he's brilliant. He's, he's super smart. Very Thomistic. Everything, yeah. everything like that I want to be. But also like, I feel like in the last couple years, he's made... Huge. I mean, huge he's progress. been like he's been dedicated and study to his studies and like. I called him the, uh, uh, last week and I was like, "Hey, man, what's going on? What are you doing?" He's like, "Just studying, bro." Yeah. And I was like, "What do you mean you're studying? It's part of my job. Just I'm studying. Just becoming a better human being. Yeah. Just just being better. What are you doing? Yeah. I was eating a hot dog. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> is it all beef? I don't. <laughs> I. I know. I, I think it's one of those. What does like, Quick Trip offer? Fake I don't ones know. Or, Anyway, okay, so what, what's the topic today? We're talking about the home. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a topic today. So yes. I want to talk about your home because um, your home, on like a natural level, is like the definition of holiness. Okay. On a natural level, not a supernatural level, but on a natural level, it is the definition of holiness. Holiness, you know, comes from the word sanctus, which means to be set apart. And that's exactly what your household does. Everything, I mean, that's specifically, in fact, that's kind of all it does. It achieves like a natural holiness. It sets things apart. The From the very beginning. Okay, I can see that. The yeah, first yeah. thing it does is set this place, like the foundation. Has the wall, have walls. Like, all right, this is a home, and we're setting it apart from the rest of the world. Like, this place is different from the rest of the world, because this is places for Adam and his family. Okay? So... That is like setting apart is the is the primary function of your home. So there is like a natural holiness to the house. The actual building 
of the house. That's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. Right. So I read a book years ago called Hallowed Be This House by Thomas... That was better than I did. Something. Tomas, actually. Tomas. Yeah. Uh, In fact, if my wife... I think my wife is watching. I'm sure she will tell me Thomas something. Okay. Uh, Lady Pamela will will tell me. And I'll tell you. Um, So, but... The house is just, it's fascinating because it is set apart. And it's important to talk about this aspect of, aspect of domestic living because Christ himself did it for 30 years. 91% of his life was spent living in the home, doing the normal, ordinary, day-to-day things. Because everything that happens in the home is very ordinary. And you think, you know, like, oh, there's, there's just nothing significant. But I want to just talk about it because that's not that's not the case, and I just want to encourage people to think about their day to day things. A lot of a lot of my goals in life is just to get people to use their brain and think about stuff that they're not thinking about. This is one of those days. I'm doing it today on this episode. High five. Okay, so the house has walls. Very ordinary for a house to have walls. Just like think about what your house would be like if it didn't have walls be very awkward it would be, be very a, strange it's a canopy more than a house yeah it would be like living in a like a two-story gazebo mm-hmm. and it would be very funny you know you'd be doing stuff like taking showers at midnight when the neighbors weren't watching you know like trying to figure out how to heat the home how do you keep the raccoons out of your kitchen mm-hmm. basic you know just basic no wall how no wall stuff but we do have walls so um the walls are maybe the most important part of the house because what they do is they give boundaries for the life and function of the house. So they say the walls tell us where we rest and where we work. They also dig, have a way of uh, bestowing dignity and honor on specific family tasks. And what I mean by that is they will set aside a room the dining room, the formal dining room. You know, like a lot of houses have a formal dining room. Um, and it's like, how many times do you go in there every year? I don't know. Like some people would say zero. I, I mean, you walk through it maybe. You go in there to like put your junk. I mean, some a lot of formal dining rooms turn into like the place where you store boxes. You know, oh, I do crafting in there or something. But um, people who use them even don't go in there very often. Yet they still have them, and you still kind of want a formal dining room. You'll spend all of this money. Here in Tulsa, I, did, I ran some numbers, okay? So the, the average, average home here in Tulsa, is uh, the, the average person will spend about $22,000 on their formal dining room, just based on the average home price and the average size of the formal dining room, because mm. it's about 14 by 16 on average. So um, like that's a lot of money to spend on a room you don't, you don't use. Yet, we still have it. Why? Because dining, eating together, sharing a meal as a family is so important that when we say, I will set aside a room, I will set apart this idea of holiness being set apart, a room in my house that is only for eating, it is only for dining, what does that do? It honors and glorifies and dignifies eating together. It gives this family task the honor that it deserves. Okay, so the walls of your house, it's like you've never, most people don't think about this, but the walls of your house are going around bestowing honor 
on the things that you do day to day. Hmm. Okay, so um, that's just like... It changes the activity that you do as well. Yeah, it does. And so not all houses are created equal, you know, obviously. Um, my This is just my personal preference. I, I'm not a big fan of uh, open floor plans where you go into the house and like the whole, it's just like a huge open space. It's really great for entertaining, you know, because mm-hmm. you can fit a lot of people in there. I get why people want them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think there are certain compromises you can make with those. Like still there's, if you can find a way to set apart a certain space because even in those open floor plans it's like obviously you put the table here because it's tile here it's carpet over there sure that's obviously the living room so like if you can do something to like arrange things so that it's still there's still a boundary that's created you can still achieve the same effect i think sort of but having having rooms walls separated the household itself is designed to honor and facilitate the function of of the family life so what i'd like to do is just kind of go through some of the rooms. Okay. And Adam, just jump in, ask me questions, and I'll make up answers as we go along. Okay. And it'll be great. Perfect. Okay, so let's so talk about the bedroom. Very, very normal. Very, very normal. Very, very normal, normal episode. Very normal us. Yeah. Okay. I like this. This is going to be good. The bedroom. Yes. Um, one of the things I didn't say about the walls that I need to say before we talk about the bedroom is that walls create exclusivity. Okay? They keep people out. You say, this is only Adam's house. And you, you might think like, oh, you have these walls outside your house, you know, and a door that like locks. Mm-hmm. He's like, that's not very welcoming. You know, you're not, uh, it's, it's, very, um, it's very exclusive. You know, like, why don't you just open up to the world and share yourself, you know, be authentic. Mm-hmm. Hey, what are you hiding behind? Um, but the bedroom is the most exclusive. Right, because I mean, you could have an invitation into my house. But that doesn't mean you have an invitation to the the master bedroom. Right, exactly. That's exactly right. So if you go over there, you're like walking around. Sometimes that happens. You know, you're mm-hmm. just checking the place out. You're on you're trying to find the bathroom mm-hmm. or something. Sure. But you're just looking around. You go, you, it would be, everybody knows you can't just like waltz into the master bedroom. Right. Okay, because you just don't do that. Mm-hmm. But why? You know, um, it's because the master bedroom is very exclusive. A lot of important events take place in the ma- in the bedroom, especially historically. You know, these days people are not rarely born at home, um, but historically speaking, you would be conceived, born, and die in the bedroom. So the bedroom kind of represents the bookends of life. It represents some of the uh, your the most joy filled moments and the the most the sorrow most sorrowful moments of a person's life but i think what is most important is that it, it really is a is it's a a symbol of someone's entire life and their vocation okay uh because it is in the bedroom that you consummate the vows that you made at the altar you know and and the bed itself is an altar and, and i think it's it's important to just point out that it's not the sleeping room, it's the bedroom. And in fact, a lot of the rooms, if you think about them, are named very, very well. Uh, you know, like it, the living room, it's not like it's not like the sitting room, it's the living room, because you do more than just sitting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like the dining room isn't the eating room, because, you know, dining is, there's a lot more than eating when you, when you dine. Mm-hmm. The bedroom is 
not the sleeping room, even though that's what you do there. I mean, really, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the bedroom. And so uh, I, I just think that it's that's a, it's kind of a key into how we should interpret the role of this room. Well, and it's, it's life-giving. Yes. Right. You know, the master bedroom, the bedroom is life-giving. Right. It's the, you know, the, the bread of life at the altar at, in our church is, is kind of replicates the, uh, the life-giving of, of being at home. Literally. Mm-hmm. Which is why we have our pray-do right, right at the foot of our bed. I like it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan, Juan Posada, and Jimbo Baggins. He loves it when I say that. He pretends like he doesn't, but I know deep down. We should make a shirt that says Jimbo does. Baggins with his face on it and Jimbo Baggins. I love it. That's something I should have that told you when he's not here and we should have done. We, oh, oh Juan, you just cut us all off. I'm pretty sure the people yeah. can still hear me. But. Yeah, people can still hear us, but we can't hear ourselves. Uh, so... Uh, that's something I definitely should have. Don't worry, I fixed it. Good deal. I fixed it. Okay, so um, we're talking about the bedroom. I w- we got a lot to get through here. In this okay, let's keep episode. going. Let's go. Okay, let's go. so the bedroom is also exclusive because it is on the bed, which you know we talked about. It's where you consummate your vows. You made at the altar. The bed itself is an altar. If you think about it, that's what I was trying to get to at the very end of this last segment, and I just yeah. Couldn't. The bed, the bed itself is an altar, and it's where you say that I have set myself apart. From all others, that I might be exclusively yours. Okay, so this element of exclusivity is uh, at the at the heart of everything about the bedroom, and that's why you know you can't go in there, because it's not. It's almost. It's sort of like it's the like the inner sanctuary of the you know old Jewish temple. Right. Only the high priest can enter here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so th- the bedroom. It just has a lot of, it's like, that's your vocation. It's the heart of the home. It's what made the family, literally, mm-hmm. okay? So we're not going to have time to talk about all the rooms, uh, but let's go to the kitchen next. Well, I like the kitchen. The kitchen, everybody knows, one of the most important rooms in the household. If the kitchen is not functioning properly, chaos will will rule Ensue. the... Ensue. Yeah, it will, will, it will be in charge of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, people will be grumpy, starving. Just it'll be bad. Hangry. It'll be hangry, right? Okay. And if like something is not working, like let's just say hypothetically your dishwasher hasn't worked for like a month. Just John, throwing that out there. John Senior would be proud of you. I'm just saying hypothetically, not saying this is the, at all the situation in my house. Right. Even though it might be the situation in my house. Um, it can just cause like a backlog of like when the dishes are building up and it's like, John ah! Senior would be proud. I know. That's why that's why I'm, I haven't fixed it, you right. know. But anyway, the kitchen is the servant of the household. Because one of the things about the kitchen is that everything that's done there is for something else. The kitchen is always about the other. It's other focused. The end is for others. Right, okay? So like you the you, the kitchen does all the work, the dining room gets all the glory. Okay? So and it teaches us to be a servant. The kitchen does. Um, and it's the only room in the house that is completely about the uh, about is other focus. Teaches me how to not to be hungry. Right, that's what it does. Yeah, for it's me. like where's a beer? Yeah, it's in the kitchen. <laughs> I love that place. Okay, um, so th- that's the most important thing about the kitchen is okay. that it's oriented towards other things. Okay, and each each room kind of like is ordered towards another. 
Um, and they all, in my opinion, well, all except for one, but the household on a natural level is all oriented towards the dining room, in my opinion. Okay, so the like just just naturally, biologically, you have these strong walls so that you have a secure place to sleep, so that you have a place to store your food where it won't be stolen or eaten or get soaking wet, um, so that you can wake up and eat again. You can continue surviving. You can continue living. The household, you know, you, the food might grow outside, but you want to bring it inside so you can keep it and keep eating. All, all of the rooms in the house are oriented towards the dining room. And so just on a strictly, like I said, just a strictly biological level, that's true. Um, but the dining room really is a, is a key, key, key room. And uh, I, in my opinion, when it comes to just like the way the family works, and especially with young children, if you cannot get behavior at the dining room right, at the table, if you can't get table behavior Manners. Manners. Then you will not get obedience. If you can't get obedience at the table, you won't get obedience anywhere else. Everything comes back to the table, I think. Okay. Um, I'm not a psychologist. That's just kind of the way I see it. And that, so it's very important to have good table manners so that your children know how to respect adults and be respectful to each other outside of the table. Okay. But at the table, um, we gather to consummate you know we were consummating in the bedroom once again we are consum- not not we but you know like just you know right. I, the in theory adam don't don't do that okay, okay? <laughs> it, it makes it weird when you do that <laughs> but once again we are consummating at the at the dinner table or you might say we're consuming at the dinner table but we're consummating um the life given of another so every room in the house says the same is the same message. I lay down my life for yours. Okay? So every it doesn't matter what room it is, every single one says this. And the dinner table says it very very well. So whether it's the life of the cow, the corn, or the chef, the farmer, um it's at the dinner table you come and consummate the life of another laid down. Think about how many lives have been laid down, whether, you know, in, in the kitchen, someone slay gave up their time, their efforts to prepare the meal. I mean, that's just like what happened 10 minutes before you eat it. Mm-hmm. Think about all of the people who worked so hard to grow. I mean, it's sure. like there have been many, many, many lives laid down. Not And don't forget about the cow, okay? Sure. right. Because he literally laid his life. I mean, we killed that guy. Right. Um, and praise be Jesus for it. <laughs> um, so the, at the dining table, we come together in order to celebrate this mantra of love like i lay down my life for yours it's all of these lives laid down point towards this moment so because it's so life-giving literally we're doing this to stay alive we're doing it together but there's also like more it's more than that you know they say you don't know someone until you share a meal together um and there's just like a uh, you you do know someone almost like in the biblical sense not in a sexual way but like in a interpersonal way you know, no, it's like I have now, we've sat down across, we've looked at each other, we've eaten. There's a mystical, holy thing that takes place at the dinner table. So I really lament over families who don't eat dinner together, who allow right. their children to eat dinner in their room by themselves and play video games or whatever. Right. There, the rules at the dinner table are no devices, and we eat together. You're dismissed when you're dismissed. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you're a child. I, you, you must be excused from the table, okay? Right. Yeah. 
I mean, that's that's the rule. So um, and it's always good to bookend dinner uh, meals with prayer. You you start with prayer. You end with prayer. Right. But it's like this is it's it's Eucharistic. This is where heaven comes down into the home. You know, Adam and Eve they pulled the fruit from the app. They pulled the fruit from the tree and fell. Okay. Well, Jesus, in order to rectify that, raised himself up on a cross. He hung himself on a tree and became our food. That it's the food that satisfies us because the the fruit that Adam and Eve ate, of course, you know, that's not going to satisfy. But it is only Christ who does. And so he became our food and consummated his own life on the cross. So this, I mean, like, it's, I know that kind of sounds like high language and like, wow, you're really making a big deal about dinner. But like, that's really in some way what's taking place at the dinner table. It is Eucharistic because we're giving thanks, you know, all these things. I want to get to uh, the last room that, we're, that we want to talk about because the living room is the most important room in the house. But you just told me the dining room was. Everything you know, was pointing towards the dining you know, room. I said biologically, on a natural level, the whole household is ordered towards the living room. Okay, sorry. But, I wasn't listening. Prop- yeah, yeah. So uh, that's well. only on a natural level. Gotcha. Okay. So okay. the what makes the inter- the living room is so unique because what do you do there? You live. Yeah, it's like well, it's hard to say. Um, it's kind of a catch-all for all the stuff that doesn't have a specific room. I'll tell you what we used to do: watch TV. Right. But yeah. we got rid of our TV. High five. So we don't we don't yeah. do that anymore. John Senior's proud of you. Yes. That's twice in one episode. John Senior would be proud of us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I mean that that that's. That's why I think you know the TV kind of ha- has killed the living room. Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, I really hope that people have a room in their house, like a formal like you some people have formal living rooms mm-hmm. or something. I hope you have a, at least one room in your house that does not have a television in it. A, a sitting room that's designed for like just being together. Leisure. That's just designed for leisure so that you can have, because when you put a television in the house, it ruins the furniture. Now all of a sudden, all the furniture points towards the television instead of like each being other facing or, each other. Right. Or it fireplace. It no longer facilitates conversation, right, or or gathering around the, around the hearth. But the living room is unique because it is the only room in the house ordered towards the person. Every other room is ordered towards the body. Every other room in the house, the bathroom, the living room, every single room is ordered towards the body, designed to facilitate a biological necessity. The living room is ordered towards the person. The living room is the only room in the house that says, we as a family, it is so good for us to be together that we have created a room just for being together. It's almost like adoration of the family. You know, you go to adoration, why? Just to be with Christ, because you love right. him. Sure. And you go to, just to waste time with him. Mm-hmm. And the living room does the same thing, facilitates that same holy function among the family. So if we have a, a television in the in the living room, that's okay. Maybe that's just the best spot for you to have a television, you know. But if that's all you do in the living room, you're abusing it. The living room is for each other. It's not, it's not the theater room. The living room is for just being together as a family. You know, that we would just sit and be, gather around the hearth. If you want, if you want a good, uh, an entertaining evening, instead of turning the television on, light a fire. I promise you lighting a fire is more entertaining than turning on the television. Um, and like if you're a dad who's got like kids, like I'm not sure if they're going to buy into that, just do it. Light a fire. You know, it's going to be getting cold soon. Light a fire three days in a row. 
and you watch, I guarantee they will all end up in that room because there is something magnetic about fire. So the living room is so important. We should make sure that we design it, order it, order it properly so that it can fulfill the holy and dignified role that it is made to do so that we are being together as a family. Well, we'll say a little bit. Let's, I want to put a little bit of a bow on that. I mean, I think we got through it all, but I do want to wrap it up a little bit for our YouTube listeners. Okay, cool. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll catch the end of it like you do on most of our episodes. So, one of the Lord's team. The winning side. So, raise your glass. And cheers to Jesus.